Since the dawn of time, man has reached to obtain that which seemingly lies just beyond his grasp. Reason, enlightenment, understanding. It is said that the game of basketball can provide this fulfillment, but only to those who devote themselves to its principles, to a higher purpose, to end smart basketball. This week's episode, we have special guest Tony Yeager, who those of you who have listened to Bob and I uh, going back about a decade, we, we used to host a, a podcast called The Wolf's Den, and Tony was a regular contributor, and he has not been with us since then, so please welcome back Tony Yeager on this week's episode of At Smart Basketball, which, by the way, is the 22nd episode, which is the equals the amount of followers that we have on Twitter. Are we going to talk about Zion Williamson? <laughs> Williamson? Sports. <laughs> if, you were to listen to the, if you were to listen to the last show, you would have heard him called... Zion and Zion. Z- Zion. <laughs> yeah. How, yeah. How, how, how do you how do you pronounce that in in, in uh, Minnesota? What's the Minnesota pronunciation for for Zion Williamson? I don't. I don't know. I don't listen to <laughs> Zion Williamson. I don't, know. I don't listen to local radio that would mention his name. So I don't know. <laughs> okay. I mean they. Yeah, we we had we definitely spoke about uh, Zion Zion Williamson uh, in great detail when his shoe exploded. That was uh, that was over a week ago, right? Yeah, or about was, a week yeah ago? I think it was last Wednesday, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. All right. In three, two, one, go. Go right. The the the, the other interesting uh, thread from last last um, recording was was Ed and Bob debating the the uh, fugitive. Um, that was a very heated discussion that Ooh. those two had. Tony, are you are the you movie. familiar with the fugitive? Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So you've seen the movie, right, Tony? Okay, Tony. This is this is hugely important to the future of our friendship. Okay. All right. So, um, let me set this up for you. You know the scene where uh, Harrison care. Ford, uh, Dr. Dr. No, no, no. <laughs> Dr. Richard Kimball is escaping and he gets like stuck in the glass door, right? You know that scene? The revolving scene? door? Oh, no, and it's like the, the sliding door. But it doesn't penetrate the glass. And Harrison Ford then like gets his foot yes, unjammed and runs into the marching parade. Yeah. That scene. Here's the question. Here's the question. Does Tommy Lee Jones actually want to shoot him? Um. I'm. I guess. I'm guessing he knew that was bulletproof glass, right? So there's on. a key moment to that. There's a key moment Please. to that where he's 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 clearly mouthing. He like, 
his mouth is moving, but there's not any words coming out, and and it's it's unclear as to what he's actually maybe trying to I say. I mean, I feel like if he uh, if he wanted to shoot, so, he would so have just shot his foot right away. Then after, right, the foot the, the foot was still. Wedged. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I don't know exactly. So, in Ed's, so Ed's, Ed's contention is that he is trying to shoot him, and he's like apparently trying to kill the guy in Ed's mind. Um, so well, Ed and actually, also, went, yeah. Go ahead. Ed actually went so far, Tony. You'll enjoy this. Ed actually emailed the screenwriter <laughs> of The Fugitive, found, found his, uh, who, who apparently is named uh, David Tui. Tui. And, yeah. And, uh, and the screenwriter said, well, Ed, I can only tell you what I had in mind when I wrote that scene. Gerard was trying to kill Kimball. Now, that doesn't mean that Tommy Lee didn't have some other more layered thought process going on about his character was thinking at that moment. So your friend might still have half a leg to stand on, but only that. Can you take DT. a step back and, and read Ed's actual request to, to, yeah, yeah. The, to the screenwriter? Can you read that whole thing, Bob? Yeah, so this is Ed Ronsman emailing uh, David Tui, the screenwriter of The Fugitive, uh, on Thursday, February 21st at 11.03 a.m., David, I'm a big fan of The Fugitive. However, I have a long-running, quote-unquote, debate with a friend of mine. He believes that when Richard is escaping the courthouse in the chase scene, after visiting the wrong one-armed man, that Gerard already knows he's innocent and is not actually intending to hurt him when shooting at the bulletproof glass security door. I think he's insane and isn't arguing in good faith, so I figured I'd go to the source. Thanks in advance for any light you can shed! Exclamation point. Ed. <laughs> I think, I think a missing or, or an underrated component to this is the fact that he uh, Kimball was after the wrong one-armed man. I, I don't know how many <laughs> one-armed men there are in this in this war, but city. it was like Chicago. It was. To- I've only so seen to- the movie once. So, I want to hear more. I, I want to hear what Tony has to say here. Yeah, There's give us your give us your thoughts. Here. I Tony. think it's great that the screenwriter from The Fugitive replied to Ed Ronson's fan email. <laughs> I think it's great that he trusts in Tommy Lee Jones's creative license as an actor to maybe to maybe have some some of his own thoughts on the whole uh, the scene. Maybe maybe Tommy Lee Jones took a little saying. ownership of the character in that scene. Um, That's what I'm saying. But, I mean, from the screenwriter, from the horse's mouth, he says that the scene was written for Tommy Lee Jones' character to be trying to kill Kimball. Well, so here's, an I side. think there's a bigger philosophical question is, are the movies we see as an art form, is it just, are we just to take what the screenwriter intended or are we to take in some influence that's, that's shed by the actors themselves because i think the actors maybe become the scene and become the movie so ultimately it was what was exactly Tommy Lee jones's intent in that scene yeah in, in so ed's on, world yeah. it's it's all screenwriter and that's 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 ed's world it's all it's very black and white but but in reality yeah. it's obviously the the uh, the actor has a has an influence the director you know the Have whole, you guys the whole seen cast. A star is born you can't just Cooper and Gaga? No. No, me neither. Look, seems like it'd be pretty good, though. So, we ended the uh, Tommy Lee fugitive discussion 
um, by saying that really if we want to solve this once and for all, we need to actually get Tommy Lee Jones on the podcast and, and ask him what he was thinking when that, sh- that scene if, was shot. If in fact, whatever detective guy's name is was trying to kill exactly. Richard Kimball. Exactly. Detective Gerard, I believe. Very well. <laughs> and Ed is in the process of trying to track down Tommy Lee. He he tracked down the, the screenwriter, so I have I have I have some semblance of faith in in Ed's skill in, in tracking down people here. <laughs> How many times have you seen that movie, Tony? It was a pretty a pretty common staple on like TNT in the Jaeger household growing up, so I'd I'd probably forget six, seven times <laughs> as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That and Air Force like, One. Those are my, like, that's, that's what I think Ford. of. That's one. not Wesley Snipes. Air Force it? One. That's, yeah. Yeah. No, that's Harrison Ford. Yeah. He's the, he's the president and Air Force One gets hijacked. That's a classic. Yeah, okay. I've never seen Air Force One either. That was, I think, kind of before my time as far as watching things on TNT on, on repeat. I would guess that right now Ed is watching. <laughs> We've said this before, Tony, when Ed's not here. He's likely rewatching either The Big Lebowski or Shawshank Redemption. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Just to remind our listeners, uh, there are, are surely tens, tens of them uh, that, that we've got Tony Yeager as our, as our guest today. And it's, this is kind of a throwback to the, to the Wolf's Den that uh, if you... What was that on? Was that Podbean, Bob? Yeah, <laughs> number one podcast... On? Number one podcast on Podbean. I mean, can this still be found on Podbean? Do you know? I believe Podbean is yeah, the that was we. That was our big goal. Was like we were pushing hard to get our podcast to number one right before because the website was going belly up. So we had to. Uh, so we were right. hammering the 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 ticks on. Yeah. I mean, we went viral. I, I think. mean, this was a while ago. Yeah. So I don't know. Going viral was a different thing before, back we, in '09. It was. It really was. Yeah. It, we were more of. We were actually like a virus infecting the Podbean site by constantly clicking the the five stars rating <laughs> manually. Manually, yeah. I still don't understand why Ed is, Ed is not here tonight. You're saying that he his uh, Dave, who is his brother, was supposed to also because they're staying together. Or Dave staying with Ed tonight. Uh, he's visiting Ed. And there's some sort of family problem. I don't want to get into the details because that, that sounds like a HIPAA violation. But was someone sick? Someone was sick. Okay. So, someone was sick. So I don't want to get sued for millions of dollars. I don't want to you know, r- you know break someone's privacy. So let's not get into the details there. But um, I guess that's why Ed uh, backed out at the last minute, which is which is always funny. Um, Tony, are you watching? You know, Tony, you're a you're a basketball guy. Are you are you following college these days? Are you an NBA guy? What do you what do yeah, you? Yeah, I loosely follow all the various platforms of the sport. I'm just a general fan, more of a generalist. General fan, generalist. Various yeah. platforms, various platforms. I probably of the follow. Sport. That's deep. College basketball, as well as you guys, follow the like the AAF. So, loosely. <laughs> That's a good comparison. I like that. That's a great I comparison. Know, uh, okay. So it's more of a novelty. Yeah. It's kind of a novelty. It's like the kind of thing that you you see that pops up on, yeah. the, on your screen as, as a as a new thing that that is new, but but you don't really want to watch it because it's 
it's just not the quality isn't that great. I actually tried to watch an AAF game last week, and it was it was difficult. Did you guys try that? Because you guys tried to watch it. I tried to dive in. The the quarterback play is just it's a little rough. So comparatively to the NFL, it's so just hard bad. to watch. <laughs> well, that's what I was most interested in was the quarterback play. I feel like you know you'd, you'd think that with the scarcity of of quarterback skills in the league with with uh, Sorry, the NFL, the league, and and I I can't remember what what who the quarterback's name was, but but uh, he just seemed pretty. Christian Hackenberg. That's one of the names I've heard being tossed around. I don't know if the game I was watching had him in it. It was like Birmingham against Atlanta, maybe. Yeah, I haven't watched. I have any no idea. I watched about four plays and was like, I'm gonna go vacuum my my my, my bedroom because that was more exciting. To get back to. Uh... <laughs> when you were asking about my interest in basketball. Uh, my limitation, my primary limitation is I don't have cable television, so, and college basketball has really become a, a cable man's sport. Even, like, the Final Four is on ESPN. So, really, I'm just checking scores on my phone and keeping tabs. That's that's just not oh. true. That's just not true. That's not true. Yeah, it's a it's a oh. it's a gambling man sport. It's 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 made for for the the regular well, the regular season the exists final, mostly for gambling. To be clear, I'm just saying it's not true that no, the final is. four is on ESPN. I think the championship what, what? game, even the championship game last year, I think was on ESPN. Believe, believe me, as someone who, who Dude, you're, was you're, expecting you're, to watch it on CBS, like I had to watch the. It, it, I think it was on TNT, but but Thank your you. point's well taken, Tony. Thank you, Zach. No. no yeah, way. it was on TNT or TBS. Was or it really? Some, Maybe True yeah. TV. You wouldn't know, no Bob, because you were watching on some Russian pirate stream. <laughs> so what do you care? <laughs> Man, I don't buy that. You're, I, I think you're thinking of the, uh, that too, the college yeah. football championship, which is on ESPN. He is thinking about that, which is also on, on not on the, uh, the I, uh, network. I'm pretty sure screen. last year I watched the Michigan Villanova game on my phone using like the free 30 minutes that the NCAA basketball app will give you or whatever. You know, because I couldn't watch it on my TV. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, I'm going to admit defeat here. It was, in fact, on TBS, which is just a horrible decision. Okay. Yeah, I don't really get Sorry, that guys. model. Like for college sports in general, whether it's the football championship or the Final Four, I mean, you're losing so much audience by not just having it on network TV, right? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, the Super Bowl is on network TV, and they sell ads. Why don't you do the same thing for these other sports? It's very odd to me. It is interesting because sports today are the um, one of the few things that you can't, you know, unless you really like recording sports programming and watching it later, but if you're watching it live, you're going to sit there and watch ads where most people who watch TV programming, like your, your favorite your, you know, dramas on, on, on your network programming, are uh, you, you know, you're, you're going to skip past the, the uh, commercials. And on sports prog- programming, you can't do that. So that's uh, quite fascinating that they uh, shove that off the cable. Sad. Zach, what kind of topics do you have for us tonight? Well, I was thinking, I was, you know, I've been watching a lot of basketball. Well, to your point, um, Tony, uh, 
how it's it's more of a uh, you, you said you said cable man, but I think in my mind it's more of a gambling man. I think most people who watch college basketball during, during the regular season are gamblers because who's watching college basketball unless you're like a serious fan of your alumni or your your um, your regional college team. If you're if you're gambling on it, you're gonna watch. This, the secondary, the tertiary, the the you know the, the mid majors, the low majors, and there's all you can watch that. There's all kinds of programming on on, on the uh, streaming services. Uh, ESPN Plus, I think, is a pretty popular thing. We, me and Bob watched on StreamCartel.com. Is that dot com, uh, Bob? StreamCartel. I'm, I'm like not going to comment on that. So. <laughs> really? That's that's not that's that's for offline. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Russian pirates, right? <laughs> Anyways, what I was getting at was the, um, you know, who's watching college basketball? It's going to be mostly guys who gamble on it, and, and, and Bob and I do occasionally here and there. Tony, you don't, so you're not going to watch it. If you had action on it, you would watch more That's more probably true, basketball. although I will say, I will say, um, when I was, like, in college and had ESPN, like, I would watch, you know, the ACC games on Wednesday nights and stuff like that. Um I think there is definitely like a market of people who just enjoy watching the sport um, that don't necessarily have money on the games. I'm just. Do, do you foresee, do you foresee yourself getting cable at some point to watch college no. basketball? No, God, no. That ship has sailed. No. I've. Uh, hey, man. You you know what? You you say that now, but you're uh, you are uh, thirty four. 34 years old. I don't know, man. <laughs> I give you 10 years. I think you're going to be... I can... This will actually... This will segue into... A, a, whatever. A, an interesting discussion. But I would... Uh, I would actually argue that... More likely in the next 10 years would be... All y'all no longer having cable than me having cable. Which kind of gets me to my next... My next thought here is... Uh, you know, I remember years ago cable was pretty expensive and like the ideal thing would be why can't you just like hand pick the channels you actually wish like you want to pay for like the ESPN Animal Planet you know what yeah. I'm talking about and just like a la carte cable television <laughs> after midnight and that kind of seems like Planet. where like streaming services are going I'm sure it would see I mean I know ESPN has the whatever the ESPN plus whatever they have but uh-huh. wouldn't it seem reasonable that maybe in the next 10 years you pay a $8 a month subscription fee to ESPN and you have access to their content and you know like don't you see TV becoming more a la carte like you just pay at the website a monthly fee for specifically like Food Network ESPN whatever yeah breaking yeah, that, news uh, Tony that's how that it exists. you can do that you can now pay for ESPN <laughs> You can pay for. Um, I don't know if you can just pay for the Animal Planet. Well, I haven't looked into that, but I, that's the kind of thing the we would like to know. Like no, so you can, but do you get all of ESPN's content? Like you know, sports, like whatever. Do they still do sports? Center? Yeah. I haven't had cable for over a decade. All right. Yeah. Um, I don't have cable either, but yes, you can purchase like. I don't think, uh, okay, to be fair, you can't purchase, like, just ESPN, but for, like, like $20 a month, you get, like, ESPN and, like, 10 other channels, and then for, like, $30, Is you get... Is this, like, Sling TV, yeah, or Yeah, I mean, 
I would think actually ESPN Plus would in, yeah, wouldn't ESPN Plus include just all of ESPN programming, or does it actually not include that? I think it's like an add-on to an existing subscription. No. So anyway, I. Uh, how much would you pay for ESPN? Me? Just ESPN, um, Tony. Oh, five bucks a month, maybe. Five, five bucks. I was gonna say I think I would pay ten. I think also $10. by having not had cable for so long and not watching, you know, like I've now seen what life is like when you don't watch almost an entire season of college basketball, and it's not that bad. So like. <laughs> I'm not that crazy interested in, like, the value wouldn't be there for me to spend much more than, say, five bucks a month to be able to watch, like. Right, you need a, you need a vested interest. So you need, either need to have, a <clears throat> like, a team that's good. Like, who do you, who's your big college team? Is it, is it the Gophers? Yeah, uh, I guess I, the Gophers, I keep track on how the Gophers and the Badgers are doing. And, uh. You could you could watch the Gophers over the air though in your area, right? I'm sure they just broadcast um, that stuff over no, the I air. I think it's on. Sure. I doubt it. Or like BTN or Fox Sports North or you know those things. Yeah. Oh, Fox Sports. Yeah. That's cable. Yeah. But the silver lining is that the Gophers aren't very fun to watch, so I, th- I haven't missed them much this year. So. I, I think the I think the better question is, if we paid for a cable subscription for you, would you accept it, knowing? Knowing, as you phrase it, how good life is without cable, would you accept a gift of a cable I mean, subscription? I, I guess I would accept it. I can't guarantee I'd use it. No, I mean, if you're offering to purchase me a cable subscription, I guess I would reluctantly accept. That sounds like a like a magazine that I that I would buy for you that would be delivered to your door every every month, and you would just. Pick it up and go go to the mailbox and, and then bring it back and throw it on your, on your coffee table. And do you guys subscribe to any magazines? <laughs> what do you subscribe to? Bob? I do actually. Ooh. I subscribe to GQ. Kind of model yourself after those guys. Um, G- GQ and Men's Health. Do you do you toss those into like a little basket that you throw into your your bathroom? Is that like what you? What you... Um, no, they they land coffee in the table. mail slot. I when I get a GQ, I read it right away because I'm excited to get it. The paper version of this, the the hard yeah, copy, all of it. That's right. What what kind of information? Yeah. Do, I mean, I I kind of know Men's Health. Do you get some exercise ideas from Men's Health? Do you, do you <laughs> let that guide your workout a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. Um, a little bit. What kind of information does GQ have? Like fashion advice? Yes. Today I today I got the spring fashion issue. Today. And I, yeah, and I read through it what tonight. Some... Is that why you were kind of off, <laughs> off, off offline for the pat for, for a good part of the night? You were hard hard to, to talk to because you were too busy reading the uh, spring fashion issue. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's why. What was the biggest takeaway from that? Uh, there's some really cool new uh, some new shoes out, and they are um, they're a fusion. No, I know out. you guys bring don't care out. at all. No, I do care. I very much care, Bob. Please, please tell us. They are uh, they are a blend of Nike Blazer highs, and uh, they're pretty cool. It's they're 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 really uh, I think I think you might call them meta. I'm not sure. I'm not cool enough to know. How would a shoe be meta exactly? 
Because they've got like two swooshes on it. It's not just one swoosh. Oh. It's two. Not one. Two. As the kids would say, keeping it 100. Okay. Straight fire. That's right. I, you know what? I've been exactly. seeing a lot. Of, go ahead. And I, I asked my wife what she thought of them. And she said, where would you wear those? And I said, to work. And she said, you would. <laughs> she hates you. <laughs> you know what's been showing yeah. up in my... Uh, I mean, I'm sure everyone likes hearing about different shoes. What's been showing up in my advertisements in my like my Facebook feed and things are these things called Allbirds. Have you guys seen these? They're like... They're made of like wool, but like yeah. they're meant to be worn without socks. And it's apparently like a nice wool that isn't itchy and has like micro, what is it? Uh, whatever. It's where it, where it's odor repellent. Like they won't, they won't smell yeah. from not wearing socks. Um, I think yep. I've heard that, that Barack Obama is, uh, I don't know if he's, yeah. He rocks the Allbirds I, for sure. I think they look kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, get some. So, uh, Zach, you like any shoes or? <laughs> I've got a pair of Adidas that I wear regularly, and a pair of. Uh, I'm, I'm actually, if we're really talking seriously about shoes, which I suppose we're we're we're, we're hip deep into this, so why not? Uh, I've got a pair of Boss Boss shoes that I that I wear, and that's that's about it. Cool. It's <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah. End of. <laughs> Full stop. Um, let's let's swap back into the basketball region of of the uh, the conversation here. I was I was watching uh, a little NBA last uh, last Sunday, maybe Monday, and I was watching. I was thinking it was Clippers uh, Mavericks, which was entertaining in and of itself because uh, you know Dirk Nowitzki is uh, kind of playing out what apparently is his, his last season. Right, he's uh, he's kind of hobbling around on the on the court hoisting threes and not doing much else. And we kind of talked, uh, I think it was me and Ed, uh, a few weeks back about the, the most valuable player award. And, and I was kind of thinking, you know, who when, when you think of, of other uh, awards, the uh, the sixth man award in the NBA is kind of a strange one, right? I'm not sure what's so funny, Bob, but go ahead and keep laughing. But I'm, I'm thinking about the sixth man award in the NBA, and and I think Lou Williams comes to mind as that guy. And I'm I'm trying to think of of a really what a great sort of coup he's pulling, uh, or or you know he's just sort of pulling a trick on everybody because I think he's like better than a sixth man. He should be like a starter, but he somehow like carved out this role of being a guy off the bench, and he just is he's really good. I mean, he's not really good, but he's good enough to be better than just a sixth man. Um, and I think it's interesting that he's basically, I think, sandbagging his his his, his stats and his his uh, his skills uh, against basically the you know the 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 opposing team's second unit to make his play look better. And I mean, I think Bob, you can kind of relate to that, right? That, that's something that that you would do. <laughs> <laughs> Like if you can we can we get a timer on on that speech that I just heard? That was like yeah, a, that's a good a good ninety seconds. But uh, here we are. Like let's a, let's no. I mean seriously. Like if you were Lou, like if you were a, a player of, of Lou Williams caliber, would you 
push the coach to like get me in the, in the starting lineup. I want to play against the starters. Or would you kind of hang back and be like, I want to, I'd prefer to play against the you know the second unit a little easier, maybe uh, not quite as. That's a question good, for huh? Tony. That's a question for Tony. <laughs> okay, yeah, Tony. No, I think uh, Tony Yeager. I think it takes a special kind of player to be okay with not starting, um, especially when you know you're good enough to start. I think there's value in being that energy guy off the bench. Uh, is there really though? Like, what? Where does that come from? Like, what? 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 Why is there value in being the energy guy off the bench? Why wouldn't you want the energy guy off the? You know, the, starting the game line? starts. There's a lot. Of, there's a feeling out process that needs to take place, and uh, once the dust settles, that's when you need to have, uh, you know, your sixth man come in and, you know. Put things squared away. Um, what team does Lou Williams play for? <laughs> that is the worst. That is the worst take that has ever been shared on this podcast. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I'm, I'm glad we passed the mic over to Tony. No, seriously, Bob. I feel like if you were a player of, of Lou Williams' caliber, where you're kind of a, you know, like if you were a starter, you'd be okay, but you wouldn't be the, you wouldn't be in the spotlight. You'd be a role player, but coming off the bench, you know, you you win awards. You you would probably be potentially up for a higher contract. I mean, I think in, I'm not sure why more players don't try this maneuver because it's, it kind of it 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 leads to their advantage. I agree. I totally agree with you. Thanks for your input. Great. <laughs> Who uh, Zach. Are you a big Nuggets fan living in Denver? So, so yeah, me and Ashley, uh, my wife, we, we would go to four, five, six Nuggets games a year uh, before we had a baby, uh, you know, our child. And that was three years ago, yeah, about three years ago. And uh, we went to one game last year. We haven't been to a game this year. So we're pretty big fans, but it's, it's um, we're probably going to go to a playoff game. Maybe if they make the playoffs, which seems likely. Sweet man. Are you? Yeah, sweet. Are you going to the? Uh, are you? I mean, what are the the, the T Wolves? How does that factor into your sport and entertainment? Um, you know, I uh, I follow them on my phone. I keep tabs on their scores. Um, okay. I've I don't know if I've ever gone to a game. Um, I think. I think hmm. I went to one game. I don't know either. Maybe like literally like twelve <laughs> years ago when Garnett was still with the T Wolves. I think I went to a game. Um, you know, like honestly, oh. honestly, guys, going to professional sports, uh, I don't do it very often. Um, this guy, we're talking to a season ticket holder. Yeah, I got. I didn't realize this was a sports I podcast. I guess is is. That's <laughs> where I'm at. <laughs> is it always this heavy on the sports? <laughs> Not I mean, you. It is Ra- called smart rarely. basketball. Rarely. Dead giveaway. <laughs> um. Well, we were hey. talking uh, a minute ago about the uh, the fact that you you're staying up uh, an hour past your bedtime yeah. at this point, and you were kind of questioning us as to how long. Um, sorry, how late we, we stay up usually. And you, you go to bed yeah, around 9.30. I, uh, yeah. Thank you for, for bringing this up. Um, a, night, a great night for me. Honestly, you know what a great night is? Being in 
Well, no, hold on. Let, let's let's rewind it. What's a great? You get home from work. What's a great night for you? All the way. Well, I, Take us I mean, all I the can way. Tell you what a typical night is more so than a great night. With with timestamps. I, I, really, I don't really entirely know what a what a great night is. Um, okay, what's an I just average want to talk about the you. end of my please, night. Please the end of my night would be night. being in bed by about eight forty-five. Eight forty-five at Fast night. Forward. I'm in bed. Oh, I'm on my God. phone, maybe like checking some sports scores or whatever. Phone goes off by about nine oh five. Lights go out, and I'm my head's hitting the pillow, and I'm getting like nine hours of sleep. That's a that's a nice night. So you're sleeping until six thirty, yeah, nine thirty to six thirty. Yeah. God, you guys should try it. It's 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 the life. Well, I mean, if I go to bed, if I go to bed at nine thirty, which sometimes I I do like doze off. I wake up at like one o'clock and I'm wide awake for a couple hours, and then I might go back to bed for a couple more hours, and I end up getting like do you seven have, or eight. Do you have in the nightmares? End, but... No, I'm just ready. I'm ready for my day. Do, uh, do you guys do Can't coffee wait. in the morning? Do you have drink, co- drink coffee in the morning? Zach? Sometimes. I very very so rarely drink coffee. Get? Yeah. Just in pure number of hours, typically, on a work night. Between six and, and seven. you can get up the next yeah, day same. and go through a work day with basically no coffee, whatever, and you, you're fine? You're feeling good? Yeah, we're powered by our own sense of self-satisfaction. Yeah, I don't have that. I need my nine hours of sleep. <laughs> I mean, Zach is a recent, well, yeah, he's more recent than me, a graduate of having a young child, so he feels like he's getting tons of sleep these days. Yeah, when Unlike you have a our, child, uh, it really does sort of set the, the bar a little lower as far as what makes a good uh, a good night's sleep, uh, yeah. and I've kind of gone through that for the most, most of my life, which is kind of weird, but... <laughs> That's true. Factually accurate. So you don't watch much of the Timberwolves, like you haven't been following the the, uh, the soap opera Tony that's been happening with the. I mean, remember, remember back Butler? in October when when uh, when Butler was was demanding trades, and that was that was exciting. We were actually focusing all of our podcast around Jimmy Butler. He was demanding trades and was just sort of being a. It was super fun to watch because he was, you know, showing up to practice, just being a total, total guy about it, and it was, I really enjoyed it. But that—that's obviously he's—he's he's playing with the Sixers now, and the the, the T Wolves have uh, tailspin into whatever they are, which is a uh, non-playoff team. But you no, don't care, so I guess no, this is uh, yeah. kind of the point. <laughs> um, yeah, the Butler fiasco was was interesting. Like he—he he seems like a pretty dislikable guy. Or at the very least, a guy who would do anything to kind of like get his way in a situation. Um, so I was happy to see him go uh, as a, let's say, a fringe Timberwolves fan. Um, I don't know, man. Like Towns seems good. Wiggins has been really disappointing, and I don't, he wasn't a, deserving of a max contract. Um, Derek Rose is kind of a little rejuvenated, but in general, yeah, the team is just kind of blah. Just yeah. when you think like they've got some, like they got something going. Towns is like the number one pick, who's looking like he might be a superstar. 
they just always kind of disappoint you. So, yeah, it ends up leaving kind of a, a well, cavernous apathy in the city of cavern. I mean, Towns is, is obviously pretty good, and that's that's as good as it gets. And I think they peaked last year when they made the eight seed, which is not saying a whole lot, but... Uh, mm. They've they've got some interesting times ahead if you're a uh, Timberwolves fan, which you are really not. So uh, good for you. I'll probably, I'll, maybe I'll be a Bucks fan this year. That seems like the way to go. Hop aboard. That's I a good sidestep. If only Ed were here to tell us how much of a fan he was of the Bucks, because I feel like he's a kind of a bandwagon. Nah, you know, he's more of a Nuggets fan these days. I, I apologize. He's more of a Nuggets fan than, than the Bucks. Although it's maybe a close second. Do you think he's more yeah. of a Nuggets fan or a Bucks fan? I think more of a Nuggets, but he would I think he is Bucks. too, since he's yeah, he's buying all these this this Nuggets gear because of Jokic. Um, Have you seen this guy play, Tom? Yeah, Nikola Nikola Jokic? Inside outside game, you know, seems good. Is that what you call that inside outside? Does I don't he, really know what that means. Does he shoot from outside? <laughs> he has because he's a post player too, isn't he? He's... I s- not really a post guy. No, he's more of a point. I saw him do a hook point shot center. from about four feet out yesterday. Okay, he'll have. Okay, he will un, un, unleash the occasional hook shot, but generally speaking, he will he will handle the ball, you know, as if he were a guard or a, a point guard and. I'm not sure why I'm describing this to you because you could just be a fan of the NBA and know this, but but yeah, he's he's uh, quite quite enjoyable to watch. With which Ed would, if he were here, he'd probably give you way more colorful insight into Yogi's game, which is a lot of off the uh, just off color passing and uh, crazy crazy maneuvering around the court. He he likes to sort of bumble around the court too because he's not the most athletic guy in the court. I mean, right, Bob? Would you say he's more of a a, a hulking mass of a guy. I mean, he's six yes, ten or six eleven. That's exactly what I would say. Yeah, he just sort of lumbers around, and he looks like he's always out of breath, which is which makes it, I think all the more enjoyable to watch. Probably why I like him so much. But anyways, I'm not sure why we're talking about this at this point. But uh, what uh, in the history of basketball, what team or era team do you find to be the most aesthetically pleasing to watch like what like the the celtics in the 80s the bulls in the 90s like what when you think of like just enjoyable basketball to watch very aesthetically pleasing what comes to mind for you i think of the 1980s nuggets actually uh 1980s nuggets who yes what are we talking about here who's on Dan Issel? Don Issel? Lafayette Lever. Alex English. Uh, I mean, they were scoring over 120 points per game. Well, well, uh, are you talking about the, the Paul Westhead Nuggets? Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, that's a little extreme. I think the... Is, is it? I think the... Um, I can't think... Doug Moe. Doug Moe, right? I mean, Bob was probably two years old yeah, when this team was in course. existence. I, yeah, but a little, a little uh, I think the Westhead Nuggets were probably the team that I'm referring to, which you said 80s, Bob? Is that 80s? Is it... 
Here's a here's a fun fact about the 1980s Nuggets. Alex English led the entire NBA in scoring for the decade of the 1980s. God. <laughs> think, think. I didn't know that. that. Zach, what's your okay. answer to the question? <laughs> I actually would tend to agree with Bob on that one, which is obviously kind of weird. I, I I I prefer to argue with Bob, but on this case, I might agree with him because those Nuggets teams were quite entertaining and that the the league of the the, the NBA uh, was was at its peak when I was in middle school maybe high school the uh you know the Barkley era the Jordan era the bird when, when bird Barkley Dominique Wilkins so many classic top 25 players were were in their close to peak form late 80s Pippen um Bob did you, I mean what did what Early nineties. Reference for this Nuggets team, like, did you watch a couple games on NBA Classic or something? Because you didn't live through this, so. What? I mean, I mean, I remember when they played the Pistons, uh, on December thirteenth, nineteen eighty three. And they scored. <laughs> and they, they, the the game, the final score was one eighty six to one eighty four. I mean, that's so that's amazing. Doug Moe. That's not Paul Westhead. So there's two versions of so the Nuggets were were high high scoring. I think in the mid to early '80s, which I think is what you're talking about. Yeah, that's, that's what I said. That's the Doug Moe era, and yeah, then there's the the Paul Westhead era, which is where every game was basically like that. In the like, I, th- I don't remember what year it was, but I want to say early '90s. It was because he was the coach of the uh, Loyola Marymount right. teams in the Hank. Uh, late '80s. Yeah, and he he I guess the yeah yeah Hank Gathers. Uh, Bo Kimball, um, yeah, obviously, then, yeah, right, and then and then he got hired by the Nuggets. Uh, I want to say that was in the era of the uh, Tecmo NBA. I'm pretty sure that's when Paul West said it was there. It was, absolutely. So that's when the scores really got out of hand. But uh, was it enjoyable to watch? Hard to say. I guess if you don't like like defense, Zach, probably one of my least favorite moments images in basketball history is probably one of your favorite and that is of Dikembe Mutombo crying with his back on the floor with the ball over his head after they just beat the Sonics in game five of the 93 first round playoffs okay no I mean so that's not really a huge moment for me but why is it such a uh, uh, a negative time for you I love that Sonics team was someone robbing, was, was someone robbing was like your house? Nine or? years old, ten years old, and you know how when you're that age, you just like you you love certain teams and sports or certain whatever you know whatever. You're so uh, I was Sean. You were Kemp, a big Gary Seattle Payton, fan. I loved those Sonics teams. Yeah, and that was heartbreak. So that's ironic because you were you must have been like a big George Carl guy. I mean, he was the coach. I didn't really, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I didn't care about him. I, I just cared about the players, I guess. Because ultimately, yeah. Carl would coach the Nuggets in the in the you know in the aughts and led them to some With success. Carmelo and AI and all that. Well, the right answer, yeah. the correct answer Tony. to the question about quality or aesthetically pleasing basketball was the O two Sacramento Kings. That was that was the answer we were looking for, but we never. Oh, that's got a good it. one. I, I can respect that. 
There was Weber. Was that, was that Chris Weber? Vladi, there was Peja, there was Bibby. It's all those guys. Brad Miller. Yeah, actually, Brad, Brad Miller. Yeah, I think. Don't forget about Brad. Okay. <laughs> Bobby Jackson. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was didn't a fun Bob, team. Bobby went on to Bobby Jackson. He I haven't heard that Denver, name in a while. He? Or maybe he played for Denver before. I'm pretty sure he played for Denver at least once, yeah. Either him Tony, or Chris as, Jackson. As a child, Sean Kemp was your favorite player, correct? Well, a childhood is a long period of time. Uh, when I was real young, you know, when, when mm. you're young and all you like are winners, Michael Jordan was my favorite player. You know, and the Dallas Cowboys were like my favorite yeah. football team because they were winning Super Bowls. You know, you're when you're that age, you just like winners. <laughs> I was all. I thought I, you were yeah, a Niners I was always, fan. I was thought of you when they were winning Super Bowls. You know, <laughs> right. but uh, Sean Kemp, yeah, he became my favorite player. Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller, that's right. Yeah. Then. Uh, who would you say you modeled? Who would you say you modeled your game after? Oof, boy, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I, I always <laughs> kind of wanted to be like a Grant Hill type, you know, like the the small forward who could try to do it all kind of. Yeah, Grant Hill was a good one. Penny Hardaway. Mm-hmm. I liked his style of play. Yeah. Who didn't like fun. Penny? Were you? Are you aware that Penny yeah, is coaching college basketball now? Yeah, see? Yeah. I don't have to have cable TV to know some stuff. Impressive. Impressive. Good for you, man. 